welcome back to the Thoughts at Random podcast. I'm your lovely host, Amy, and today is the Halloween episode. So, I apologize for the bad setup, but let's just take a moment to appreciate the creativity that goes into makeshift Halloween decorations or atmospheres, whatever you want to call it. I really can't speak to much. I have this little guy right here as my company. He is the only Halloween decoration I got this year. I used to have two little pumpkins that I got from Target like three years ago, and I have no idea where they are. I looked everywhere, all around the house, and I just couldn't find them. So I was going to use them to complement this guy, but they are nowhere to be found. So we're just going to have to make do with what we have. Also, yes, I am wearing a Scooby-Doo onesie. Do I usually look this ridiculous? The answer is no, but that's subjective. Anyway, if Jenna Marbles can rock her onesies on her podcast, then so can I. So don't hate, appreciate. I swear I sound so much more sassier in my mind when I think about saying that, but when I execute it, I sound really lame. <laughs> so I have to, I have to laugh at myself for that. I miss Jenna Marbles, though. I guess I have to say, you know, I've only been a fan of hers for a little over a year. And I just can't believe, it, you know, it was kind of short-lived because a few months ago when she announced she didn't want to be online anymore, that just really made me sad. Because it's like I was only there for the very tail end of it, and... A lot of people were there for so much longer, and they probably feel the hurt more. And it's, it's not that she hurt them, it's just, you know, you feel the pain of, like, I don't know. The best I can compare it to is, like, maybe your show, your favorite show ended after it made a really long run, or maybe your favorite band broke up after so many years, and, you know, that's, that's the best I can compare it to, because I guess that's basically what it's like. It's the end of something. And uh, it's like the end of an era. It really is. A lot of people have said that her going off of YouTube is like the end of an era, and I, I kind of feel it. And I know I talked about her in the last podcast, but this time I just... I want to make this a better podcast. I remember my last podcast. I do apologize. It, it was only my first. I told myself I was just going to record it and go with whatever was recorded. And yes, I did make a lot of cuts. And yes, I did make a lot of mistakes. And I edited a lot of stuff out. I probably took out like 10 minutes worth of stuff because it was just either unimportant or me pausing or taking deep breaths. Because like I said, when I get nervous, I tend to like lose my breath for some reason. And there was a lot of that in the last episode. And when I was editing it, I realized how much I hate myself talking because I seem to have this weird habit of not finishing a thought and letting another thought intrude. So I'll like say something and then I'll like pause and then intrude with a different thought. And I tried to edit that out as much as I could. But then there were moments where I had to leave stuff like that in or else what I was saying wouldn't make sense. So that's something I'm going to work on. I do apologize for that. Um, but that's okay. We learn. We grow. And um, I guess me recording this is to kind of show myself that I don't just talk about dumb crap all the time. I apparently was told that I technically 
Well, I shouldn't say technically. I've been told before that I have the gift of gab. I've been told before that people are thankful for my conversation. But this was when I was a lot younger. I've always been a person who's talked a lot. And that is something I have overcome very little. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, like, I've not made an effort to not talk so much, but, you know, when you're a kid, you talk about anything, anything under the sky. You see something cool, you want to talk about it. You, you like someone, you want to talk to them, and you just talk to them about anything. You'll just, you know, it'll just come to you. And that's... That's how I used to be. I would just talk about anything. Just anything. Anything I could think of. Anything I could find. I just wanted to talk. And, uh... Yeah, I'm rambling again. I'm sorry. It's not important. But, um... Let's get to a happier subject. Not that that wasn't happy, but... Just a more important subject that I'm sure you guys will want to talk about or hear about. The one thing that I have thought about the most recently, because I just did it two nights ago, was that I finished an anime that, um, I'm gonna give a little critique, or not a critique, I guess I'm gonna review it. <laughs> um, it was called Girls Monthly Nozaki-kun, and in Japanese it's called Gekan Shoujo Nozaki-kun. So it's on Netflix if you want to check it out. For those of you who might have seen it, I, I will talk about it in depth. So if you haven't seen it, there will be spoilers. I will try my best to put in a timestamp where the spoilers come in so you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear the spoilers. Or if you don't care, by all means, please listen. Because there are some things in this anime that really made me want to kind of talk about it. You know, I don't really... I do enjoy anime every now and then. I'm not like a full-on weeb or anything like that. I really can't... I'm a bad binge watcher. I don't sit down at one period and just watch a whole entire show at a time, I can only watch so much. Like, my attention span literally only allows me to watch maybe two episodes at a time and then I lose interest or I have to get up and do something else. So, that's why it takes me a long time to really watch anime or get into an anime because I have a tendency to just want to stop watching after a couple episodes. Um, but this one, I... I tried to finish rather quickly since it was only 12 episodes and the 12 episode ones are really easy for me to follow because I'm like okay I can finish this quickly and I don't have to feel guilty about spacing it out um, but this one was a pretty cute little anime I liked it for the most part and I'm still processing it it's been like 24 or 48 hours I don't know I can't remember exactly when I finished it it was somewhere between yesterday and the day before but I finished it, and I gotta say, um, couple spoilers right now, the ending was very disappointing. Uh, I, I, I didn't even want to say that, but it's the truth. It was very disappointing. I was hoping, I, I know I shouldn't get my hopes up, shouldn't have gotten my hopes up. You know, anime tends to do that. They don't, I do appreciate that in anime they don't really give you the cliche ending that you were hoping for or that is just the predictable ending. I kind of like that anime gets creative and kind of takes a different turn and gives you something that you weren't expecting. So I do appreciate that aspect of the storytelling. But what I didn't appreciate was that, you know, the way they built up this anime was that they made it so that it seemed like... They, they kind of made it seem like at times that Nozaki could like Sakura. And 
given that, you know, you, you kind of get a little excited. I mean, obviously he was a clueless dude that would kind of spoil the sweet moments with his cluelessness, and it would just kind of be like a slap in the face and be like, oh, of course, you know, he, he was doing something sweet, but turns out it was just a coincidence. He was trying to do something else, and it was just taken as a sweet thing at first, but... Uh, that's so so technically the ending does follow that pattern of him doing something that at first looks like it's very sweet and romantic but then ends up being his cluelessness and while I appreciate the following of the pattern I kinda wish for that one moment we could have had a break from that pattern and see him say that he liked her or something you know she confessed to him during the fireworks on accident and he basically didn't hear her and gave us... I feel, honestly, I feel like the way he responded, though, you know, because it, it, it's a character, he doesn't know that we're the audience watching, obviously, it's a cartoon, or I shouldn't say cartoon, I know it's going to offend people, I'm sorry, it's an anime, you know, he's a non... in he's a non-existent character, he's not real like we are, so it's, you know, it's not like it was intentional, but nothing he ever does is, really. And it's, it's just, he, 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 you know, they don't care about our feelings. You know, the moment happened in the anime and that's it. And to us, it felt like a big middle finger. At least to me it did. The whole moment felt like a big middle finger to the whole series. And I just, I don't understand why they couldn't just give us a little something. And for Sakura to laugh and say, Oh, same old Nozaki, you know, I'm happy with us being just like this. And it's like, to me, that's so lackluster. I mean, I appreciate that she likes that the relationship is going slowly and that she's going to take what she can get from it. But I also think, you know, she, keep, she kept saying throughout the series that she didn't want to get her hopes up. And, you know, when you've been through... When you've been through a lot of rejection, you kind of look at that and go, well, honey, you don't want to get your hopes up. I mean, don't waste your heart and your energy on someone who's very clueless. And, you know, if you're not brave enough to confess, then guess what? You're going to keep getting your hopes up for nothing. So I say it's just this weird imbalance of, like, her not being brave enough to say something and then him being completely clueless you know, and, and if Nozaki does like her, I would hope that in some way, if there if there is going to be a second season, I really hope that there comes a point where there's like a breakthrough, where he finally kind of gives something, like some kind of hint or even just a blatant confession that either he likes her or he doesn't. I mean, obviously we want her to have him, we want him to like her back, and I think they'd be a very cute couple, but... You know, his. You know, I think they balance each other out. He's clueless. She's pretty straightforward. You know, if he needs something, she can usually explain it to him. And I don't know. I can't explain it. It's just you know, if you watch it, you can kind of see how they balance each other out. And I think they'd be a very cute couple. But I just hate that it. You know, it's it's nice to take things slow in a relationship in real life. And in an anime, it's been pretty. You know, in this anime particularly, it's pretty obvious they've taken things pretty slow. But there has to come a point where something's got to give. They, they, somebody's got to say something. Something has to reach a point where it's like, instead of will they, won't they, it's either shit or get off the pot. 
You know what I'm saying? You just, you gotta reach that point where it's like, okay, enough playing cat and mouse. Let's, let's figure this out. Is, is it or isn't it? And that's what drives people crazy, you know? And I'm gonna throw out a weird reference, but if any of you have ever seen Who's the Boss, or ever watched it, or maybe you know somebody who's watched it, Tony and Angela. I call it a Tony and Angela situation. When you're in this endless loop of will they, won't they, you know, it, it, it drives you crazy. And in Who's the Boss, Tony and Angela, when their relationship started, there was a point where, I don't remember who started it, but one of them proposed to the other, and I think it was Tony who proposed to Angela, and many, many times after that, like almost every other episode, or if not every episode after that, there would be some kind of dumb thing where Angela or Tony would call off the engagement and then they'd be engaged again. And I could tell the writers were probably kind of struggling or something to kind of give us that, like, will they, won't they, like, you know, because at first it's exciting. You don't want to just spoon-feed the audience the relationship. That's what they did with Rachel Ross and Friends. But, you know, you don't want to necessarily keep them like on an endless merry-go-round where like it's only fun for the first maybe two minutes and then after a while you're like okay it's the same thing over and over again can you give us something else or either get us off this ride so that's what I mean by shit or get off the pot you know you're either gonna do something or you're not if you're not gonna move forward then go backward just don't sit there and do nothing that's what pisses people off so that's my one problem with the show I mean, the anime. It's a show, but whatever. You guys know what I mean. Um, and I'm sorry if my words are not very, you know, like... If, if my vocabulary is not matching up to those of you who really love anime and know the proper terminology, I do apologize. It's late at night. And you know what? I struggle to get my thoughts out in a coherent way, so I'm really trying here. My brain is just trying to pick apart the right word, and the first word that comes to mind is usually the most simple term. And it's not always the right term, but I don't want to offend anybody, and I don't want people to go, Oh, you call yourself an anime fan? Well, you know what? Get over it. You know what I mean. And I obviously know the terminology, and if I don't, I do apologize. And you can politely tell me in the comments, but sometimes I don't know. And if I don't think of the word right away and I use a substitute, it's just so I can get my sentence out. So I hope you guys understand that. It's not me trying to be mean. It's not me trying to be ignorant. It's just, you know, if I want to get to the point, I've got to get my sentence out. And I don't want to keep that pattern up of where I talk and then I have a thought intrude it because I'm trying so desperately to think of that word or I just, my thought train gets cut off by something else. So it's just a matter of me trying to get my point across. So with that being said, the other problem I had with the anime was that um, this is really difficult for me to talk about because it's just it's just an uncomfortable topic and I normally don't feel uncomfortable talking about or seeing this kind of thing in anime because I know it's a joke but the relationship between um, Kashima, the princess school, and Hori, the president of the drama club or whatever, he he pisses me off. I don't like him because, you know, their relationship is so toxic. And if he does like her, I don't think that's a very valid anything, you know? That doesn't compute with me because he hits her and he beats her when he's mad and it's all for nothing. Like, so what? She's late to class sometimes or she gives her attention to the girls that like her rather than giving her attention to what they're doing, like the play or whatever. 
And it's like, I understand you being mad about it because you're the president and you run this shit and you want her to do the work that needs to be done to get this accomplished, but I don't think you need to be so upset that you need to beat her for it. You know, and I say beat her because, you know, at times we've seen her bleed from it. And I know it's like a joke technically, but I don't know how to feel about that. Because, you know, if it was like once or twice throughout the series, I would have been like, okay, it's a little much, but I can let it roll off my back. And I have before, because other anime have done that. But this one in particular was like every single time. And he f it, it was almost degrading to a point. You know, like, especially, I think the part that bugged me the most was... When she, it was that episode where it was raining and she was with all these girls that invited her somewhere and she was in this flock of umbrellas because they were all covering her with an umbrella and Hori Senpai met her on the street, saw that it was her and just dragged her out of there by her collar and then dragged her behind him while they walked in the rain and that was just so degrading and I don't think that's funny, I think that's horrible. I know it's a joke, and maybe to some of you anime fans who are way more into anime and understand the kind of things that happen in anime, the ongoing tropes and stuff like that, sorry that I don't, but that one really made me upset. Like, I just legit cannot get behind the relationship between Kashima and Hori, because they just, they're not a good match. And it was implied that he did kind of like her, and that she liked him, but... It was also a kind of like, does he or doesn't he like her? And I, I, I also hated that their friends would defend him and make her out to be the bad guy. You know, basically like saying that she was the one making him mad. Even who was it? Mikorin even told her at one point, he's like, well, you shouldn't upset him so much. And this was after she got hit by him. And it's like, dude, that's not right. You don't tell the person who's getting abused that it's their fault for the abuse. You know, I don't care how mad someone makes you, you don't abuse them like that. You don't hit them, you don't cause them to bleed, and you definitely don't degrade them by dragging them by the collar while you walk. That's just a horrible thing. That's almost as bad as, like, people would treat a dog. And that's just, you know... I don't condone the mistreatment of animals either, but I've seen people grab dogs by their scruff of their neck. And that's just, you know, if you're going to treat a human being like that, that's just cruel. So that was another problem I had with it. If all of you are laughing, going, oh, you just don't get it. Okay, fine, I don't get it, but that's just my feelings on it. I just don't find it very comfortable. And yes, I know, it is just an anime. I can't take it very seriously, but I do have a right to voice that that did make me uncomfortable. And I would normally just kind of turn the other cheek when those things happened. But I did hate that, you know, things would normally be going fine in the anime and then something like that would happen and it would be like, well, I was enjoying this episode until that happened. But anyway, the only other thing I think that really bothered me was, uh, I don't know, something about it felt a little incomplete. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's that, you know, the ending, the way it ended kind of just made it feel like it was all for nothing, in a way, because they didn't really give us an answer if he liked her back or not. Um, and I get that was kind of the whole ongoing thing in the anime, was that we don't know for sure, because he's just so clueless, and he's very much a mystery, but it's still... 
you know, he, the whole point, I thought, was that somewhere along the line, she would say something to him, or that he would say something to her. Because, in a way, it's like, then what's the point of showing us that she's in love with him, and that she's trying to feign his affection, but, you know, nothing is coming from it, you know? Like I said, it's the whole cat-and-mouse game. Um, and I'm not trying to repeat myself, there was a point to this. I did say it felt incomplete, and I'm not sure if that's why, or if it's just because there was something else. Um, I did want to bring up the relationship between um, that one character, I can't remember his name, but he was the freshman basketball player, and the girl, Yuzuki, I think her name was. I didn't like her character. She, you know, yes, she was the girl that always pissed people off without even trying, and I think that's why I didn't like her. But it was also like, she was barely there and I feel like she didn't really have any significance to the show. Like, she didn't really add anything. I feel like they just kind of threw her in there with that freshman dude. All because they wanted another, like, love story, kind of, to put in there. And even then, that was pretty inconclusive, too. Because, to me, I got all kinds of mixed signals in that. It was like, you know, did that freshman dude like her or not? Like, he was just so frustrated. But he kept saying he felt bad for her because he thought that she had a boyfriend and that she was trying to... I don't know. I just, I just felt like that whole relationship didn't make any sense at all. And it's like, well, then why did they go out on a date? Why did he... Like, what was he even trying to talk to her about? Like, I know they went up to the roof to talk about something, and I don't remember it very well. Forgive me, I know I just watched it, but I didn't really pay attention to this one part. I just, it's like, this dude came out of nowhere, and she just, you know, like, she was very clueless, too. She was very much, uh, she was kind of selfish. She, she was even honest about, you know, how she felt, and it was quite obvious she didn't really care about the other dude's feelings. And even if he did like her, you know, he was still nice to her, but, and he put up with her shit, but it just, it didn't make sense. It's like, you know, if they don't like each other, are they just being friends that are, that are being, like, like, what was the point of it? They didn't even really feel like friends. They just felt like people who were forcing themselves to be together, in a way, but not together, like, romantically. That's just what I pick up from it. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but that's what I picked up from it. I'd probably have to watch the whole thing again to understand their relationship better. But it felt very forced to me for the both of them to be there. Um, that's really, I think, all the problems I had with the anime. I'd have to watch it again if I want to give a more conclusive uh, review. But that's just been on my mind because I barely finished it like a day or two ago. Excuse me. And there was... Here's, okay, the spoilers are over here, so hi if you skipped over, I do apologize. I had a lot of spoilers that had to do with what I didn't like about the show, so you get to hear the positives now. The positives, which I'm sorry there's not going to be many because uh, it's not that I'm a negative Nancy about, the sh about this anime, but I can only think more of what I would do differently with the show or what I don't like about it rather than what I did like about it. Because what I did like about it, I guess, is rather simple. It was cute. It did have the potential to be a very good romantic anime. And, you know, the two main characters were the only characters I really could get a feel for. Oh, here's another thing. It's, it's not going to involve any spoilers, but this is another 
kind of issue I think I had with this anime. I feel like there was no character development, or at least the character development was very slow, or... Here's, I'll give you an example of what I mean, because this is probably easier for me to say. Um, it seems like these kids, and they're kids because it's obvious they're in high school. They, they state that they're in high school, and they're children. They're all minors. And where are their parents? You know, I know a lot of anime is, is, is very... Uh, there's, there's a common like trope in anime where the kids are usually without the parents and they live alone. But there's there's usually like an explanation for that in their backstory or something. But in this anime, I didn't see any explanation as to why any of them live alone, or you know, like the other characters that weren't as like as important or as uh, prominent as the main two, which are Sakura and Nozaki. Sorry, I don't know why I couldn't say that. Those two main characters were the only ones that we even knew even a little bit about, and Nozaki lives by himself, and you don't know why. They, he never talks about it, or if he did, I don't remember it, because there were parts where I did kind of tune out, but I don't think in any point in the show they ever talked about Nozaki living by himself. Um, who knows, maybe being a manga artist, he made a lot of money off of it to be able to support himself, that would make sense, but at the same time, the dude was only 17, and, uh, I don't know. Also, same with Sakura. We never saw her house, we never saw her parents, and if we did see her house, hell if I remember it, I think we saw her room, like, maybe once or twice throughout the entire series. Maybe we did see her mom once? I don't remember. I kind of faintly remember seeing her room, and I think someone went in it to ask her who she's talking to. I don't remember. So I'm sorry if it seems that you probably are all asking, like, did you even watch the anime? Yes, I did. It's just, it's, you know, sometimes my attention span takes me away from it for a moment. So I don't get all of it the first time around, which is why sometimes I have to watch anime a second time to really fully pick up on it. But this is just my thoughts as of right now. I may watch it again. I may not. But this is just how I feel as of right now. Um, so the character development. There was another weird flaw, or I don't even know if I could call this a flaw, but this is something that I just noticed. But in this anime, what weirded me out a little bit, and there might be another explanation for this, because if I had paid attention more, I probably would have understood this better, but Nozaki is obviously kind of a famous manga artist, or at least he was a rising star, but you learn throughout the anime that he's actually very not well-versed in storytelling. But yet his romance novels are very popular, and people like them, but he keeps, like, studying his friends and asking his editor for help, and he keeps, you know, like, getting advice from people on like, different reactions and interactions that people should have together in order for the story to make sense or to be believable as a romance novel. And it just makes no sense to me that, you know, if, if he was able to successfully publish a few other manga before and it made its way to the shelves, I mean, how did he even get to be as as established as he is. I get that the editors probably helped him. You know, it, 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 he, they can't do the work for him, and when you watch this anime, you kind of see that the editor that he works with 
is kind of annoyed by him because it's like, dude, do you even understand how people interact? Like, this relationship you're describing here is not very believable, or this whole dialogue doesn't make sense. Like, what what is the what is the message you're trying to send here? And uh, it's just so... It's like, if someone has that much problem with storytelling, I don't think any publishing company would have taken them on at all. I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe in Japan they do things differently, but he was already self-established at 17. And you know, you would think that as a 17-year-old, as a minor, you would have something extraordinary to bring to the table as far as manga artists go that would, you know, make you want to be, you know, that would make people want to publish your work and have it be sold to people. But in this case, he had so much trouble with, like, sorry, my phone went off, but he had just, like, so much trouble with his storytelling. And then he had people who were better artists than him, like, do the beta and stuff. And I'm not going to explain beta because I don't really understand it myself, but it explains in the anime what beta is in manga. And the thing is, I appreciate that he got the help, but, I mean, from what I understood, this wasn't his first manga. So, it made no sense as to why he struggled so much on this manga he was trying to publish or execute when before he didn't seem to have as much trouble, otherwise he wouldn't have asked so many people for help this time around. Or maybe he, his ideas were getting washed up because maybe he was just recycling the same idea over and over again, I don't know. But that's what, it made no sense to me. Because this was obviously not his first rodeo as far as manga goes. Anyway, that is all I have to say about that. It was still a cute anime. Uh, it was cute enough for me to be able to watch again. It was enough for me to want to watch till the end to see if anything would come of it. And, you know, if you didn't watch this anime yet, I'm not going to spoil it again. So, if you do want to watch it, please do. It's really cute. It's about this girl, Sakura, who has a crush on this manga artist, Nozaki, and she helps him draw his stuff. And he, through her, he, like, makes these other friends that also help him with the manga. And for some reason, I guess they keep it a secret from each other. I don't know. But apparently there was, like, a secret a secrecy to it to an extent. That didn't make a lot of sense to me either. But I probably should have paid more attention. So anyway, enough about that. I don't really have anything spooky for this episode. I do apologize. So, um... Sorry, I was just checking a message. Um, I tried to look up, like, scary stories that I could tell that weren't, like, copyrighted or anything, or, like, like, cause, cause, um, not to steal anybody's idea or anything, cause I don't want to come off that way, I don't want to do that, but I remember that last year on Halloween, Jenna and Julie, and I used to listen to their podcast too, that they would read scary stories from, like, Reddit, or... I think they read creepypastas at one point as part of their podcast and I remember that they got in trouble because one of the stories they told was I guess a short story that they didn't give credit to the original author for and I don't know I don't remember the whole debacle around that but they took it down and I was really sad because that was a really cool scary story and I was really into it and I, I respect that they respected the original author's um, that they respected the, the author 
in general. I don't know what word I was looking for, but they respected him or her by taking it down and apologizing for reading it on a podcast because I guess that was not the way the author wanted his work to be known for. I don't I don't know. I, I know what it is, but I don't know how to say it in words. But I think if you guys remember what happened, you, you know what I'm talking about, if you follow Jenna and Julian. Um, so I didn't want to run into something like that, you know? I'm not a very big podcaster, obviously. This is only my second episode. But I did want to provide something spooky. I just don't know what. I did read something that kind of is not scary, but it made me think a little bit because maybe I can kind of play off this, but there was one short horror story that was like two sentences long, and it was the very first scary short story of its kind where it was that short. And, uh, forgive me, I don't remember what it's called. Let me look that up real quick. Oh, I think I found it. Okay, I did find it. Frederick Brown is the author, and it's called Knock. And this was the very first short, short, short horror story. And it goes like this. The last man on earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock on the door. Now, quite obviously, that that was just, like, bone-chilling, right? Like, we, we all have shivers. Like, I'm still I'm still shaking. I'm still recovering from that. that. That right there, I had to put my phone down. Did you see that? And I'm sorry, if my sarcasm is not coming through properly, I'm sorry. I'm not very good at that, and I'm not trying to knock, no pun intended, this author for, um... I'm sorry, you, 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 you all heard that. It wasn't as scary as it probably was at the time it was written. You know, at that time, it was probably very scary. And very mind-boggling, because it's like, ooh, who could it have been? Could it have been an alien? Could it have been a ghost? Who knows? But that was apparently the world's shortest horror story, Knock, by Frederick Brown. So that is the one and only horror story I will share with you. Uh, knock on wood, I don't want it to get copyrighted or anything like that. The credit goes to Frederick Brown. I just read it so you guys would know. So there is a little tidbit for you, a little piece of history. The world's first and shortest, uh, well, maybe it wasn't the first. I'm sorry if I didn't properly give that fact out, but it is considered the world's shortest horror story. There was a horror story that I didn't read the whole thing, but when I was reading the synopsis of it, it gave me chills. And I think it- I, I can't even remember what the story was called. Um, but I'll give you a synopsis of it, so I'm sorry, I hope this doesn't consider me, like, not crediting the original author. Um, I don't even know- I wouldn't even be able to begin to tell you who the author was. I think this is one of those stories that was just like a campfire story, and whoever the author is, I apologize, this person's probably long, passed away because this was um, one that I guess has been around for quite a while but it's it's definitely a good campfire story like anyone who actually knows the entire story in depth uh, feel free to tell it and if you do know who the author is please say something so we can give that person credit but this is um, one that did kind of give me chills when I read it it was basically um, there really is nothing to get, go into depth to. Basically, this guy stayed at a hotel, and 
he was told by the receptionist not to look in the keyhole of one of the doors in his hallway where he was staying because he noticed there was something weird about it and I guess you know it, I don't know what exactly was weird about it but something drew him to it and he was warned don't look in the keyhole so he looked in the keyhole out of curiosity and he saw nothing but red and the next day he goes to the receptionist and he said by any chance what 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 would I see like why is it red in there like if I I don't even know I don't even think he tried to cover it up I think he just admitted straight up like hey I looked in there and all I saw was red what does that mean and she said something along the lines of if you look in there there is a lady with very red it was pure blood red eyes and if you look through the peephole you'll see her eyes and that was the red that he saw was her eyes and he didn't notice so I didn't really chill your bones through that I'm sorry I could have told that a lot better but you were supposed to kind of allude from the way I told it that it was her eye but I get I, I totally forgot basically I guess there was like a haunting in that room by a ghost with red eyes and that was supposed to be what was behind the door and when he looked through the keyhole he saw red which was her eyes um yeah you were supposed to kind of I think what he did was he said hey what's behind that room and she just kind of went like oh there was supposed to be a woman in there that died and sometimes uh, people see her and they say she's got these blood red eyes and it's nothing like and, and I guess when when you hear that you're like oh shit so she was looking right back at him through the through the keyhole so that's creepy that gave me chills just now I, I don't know if it gave you chills I'm sorry but me reading it and remembering reading it was like holy shit but you guys are probably like meh <laughs> I know, way to go. I didn't tell the story properly. I don't really have many scary stories to share with you, but I'll share maybe some experiences that may or may not chill your bones. They probably won't, because there's probably a lot more way, way scarier stories. I have not really had a life in which I've lived through scary situations that would chill your bones. Like, I've never really had, like, epic ghostly encounters or anything like that. Not that I remember. Um, I can only remember maybe two in my whole life and to be honest they wouldn't scare you that much. you just kind of be like, whoa, okay. Um, but here's one. The first one that I think I ever encountered. When I was 13 I went to one of my aunt's house to spend the night and at that time I remember learning about like signs of a ghost being present which one of them was that it would be inexplicably cold in a room and I remembered that and when I got into my aunt's house her and this was a new house she'd just gotten this house by the way and it was freezing in there and it was the summer so I was kinda like you know like damn she's got the air cranked up high but it, and you know I tend to run cold easily but shit this was and I, I got it it was hot outside but goddamn, like I was shivering in this house, and everybody else was like, you know, hey, you're just, you're just a wimp, you know, it's not that cold in here, and 
I was like, okay, I, I get it, cool, like, you know, and I, part of me thought, like, what if that means there's a ghost in here? And then I'm like, no, don't be stupid. You know, I was 13 trying to get myself to not be anxious, so I was like, don't be stupid, there's, there's no ghost in here. I didn't give any thought to it after that. Um, but as the night went on, uh, I went upstairs to the room I was going to be sleeping in, and it was a pretty empty room. Like I said, they just got this house, so there wasn't much in there. My aunt's computer was in there. And then my cousin's keyboard was in there, like her musical keyboard. It was like a the electric piano keyboard. Okay, so that was in there, and that was it. And then they got me a sleeping bag to sleep in on the floor. And that room felt very strange. And this room was, the door was right across from my cousin's room. So I could, like, see into her room from the door and vice versa. And then there was another door slightly next to hers, which I thought was my aunt's room. So I didn't really think anything of it, you know. My aunt never came upstairs, and I didn't even think about this at the time, but she was not upstairs. Um, I guess I just wasn't really paying attention because I was trying to keep myself from feeling creepy because that's all I felt. I just kept feeling scared and creepy and I couldn't shake the feeling, you know. And, and they told me I could use the computer if I wanted to, like, Look at, look, look at the internet before I went to bed, which is what I did. I had to do it to get my mind off of things, so I went on YouTube and I would just... I was watching like all the happy videos I could find to distract myself and nothing was working. I was still feeling creepy, um, but I was all into a video I was watching when suddenly I hear the door across the hallway open and it wasn't my cousin's door, it was the door next to her. And I see it open slightly and I look, and it's just dark in there. So I thought, and, and I don't know why I thought this, but I thought it was my aunt checking on me. And I'm looking at this darkness in this open door, and I just go, hello? And then the door shuts. And I'm like, okay, maybe my aunt was just checking on me, and she didn't want to intrude or something. Maybe she just didn't want to make me feel like she was spying on me. So I just didn't, I was just like, okay, whatever. And the next morning... I went to that door because I noticed my aunt's room was on the first floor and we were on the second floor. So I went to that door and I opened it and it was just a closet. And there was maybe like a vacuum in there and that was it. And I just was like, holy shit, did I technically say something to a ghost? And uh, I only said that because... The next morning, I don't remember who told me, but someone had told me that that house was haunted and that they had had some weird shit going on in there. Like, I guess my cousin was experiencing moments where her bed would shake randomly or she would kind of see like an indentation in her bed where like that someone was sitting there and there'd be nobody there and that items would randomly go missing and or appear in other places. Um, so... That, to me, said it all, that there was some kind of haunting in there, and they said that apparently it, a 14-year-old boy had died in that house, or I don't know if it was in that house that he died, but he had died while he was in a coma, and it was supposed to be a 14-year-old boy whose spirit was roaming that house. I think it was his girlfriend was also supposed to be there, but I'm not entirely sure. That's all I know, is that it was a 14-year-old boy that died in a coma. And I could be wrong, this is just what I remember hearing. I didn't ask too much about it because 
the other people in my family were like, ah, ghosts aren't real, this is stupid, don't buy into it. But I do buy into it. I, I really do believe the paranormal is real. Um, and I know that experiences alone isn't enough to really prove that they're real. But, you know, in my heart, I guess, I believe that that was what happened. It was a paranormal encounter. And if it wasn't, okay. And I'm not privy to the fact that it could be easily debunked, you know? My aunt doesn't have that house anymore. I couldn't even tell you where the house was, because I really don't remember. This was way more, this was like more than ten years ago now. So, I, I, well no, it was ten years ago. This was in 2010. So I really couldn't tell you. I don't think anyone could go to that house unless the people who live there now are experiencing this. Um, I, I wouldn't know what to tell you on that. So, unless someone could confirm it for me, then I, you know, or if the Mythbusters want to find the house and go and look themselves, you know, sure. Any ghost hunters want to go look in that house? Sure, be my guest. But I, I couldn't tell you what house it was. So that's what I was trying to say. Just, if anyone wanted to go and explore and see if I was right or wrong, please do. But I'm pretty sure someone else lives in that house now. And who knows? Uh, it's been ten years. So, I mean, I don't know how soon after that my aunt moved out of that house. So I don't know how many years it's been since she had lived there. So there could have been maybe another, there could be only one other occupant or maybe a couple other people could have moved in and out of there. Who knows? Um, or someone could have had the house blessed and somehow got rid of the spirit. I don't know. Um, so that's all I got. Oh, no, wait, no. There's another kind of ghostly story I have to tell. Um, there was a time when I was 15, one of my cousin's houses uh had a ghost and I didn't know about it until she said something and this was how I found out this day we went shopping and we went doing errands I had forgotten my wallet at the house because I was only 15 I didn't really plan on buying anything or doing anything but then uh, I was enticed with going to Burger King or something and I was like I'll pay for you guys if you let me go home and get the wallet and uh, they did so I went to the front door and there were two different doors. There was like the gate door kind of, like the security door I guess is what they call it, but the door that kind of is like looks like a gate and then they have the regular front door. And the front door itself was open but the gate security door was locked. And um, I could, so you could see in the house. But anyway, I had the key and I was trying to open it. I always had trouble opening this door. I could for some reason never open or unlock this door. So uh, I was like struggling to do it and then I hear a door slam in the house and I'm thinking that maybe it was my cousin's husband that he had come home early or had come home for a split second to get something that he may have forgotten so I like yell for him going hey is anyone there like can you open the door and uh, nothing nobody came and then a few seconds later my cousin comes over and she's like you're having trouble? And I'm like, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, is, is your husband here? Like, he... Somebody slammed a door just now. And she's like, oh, it was probably the ghost. And I was like, what? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, he's not here right now. It's probably the ghost. And I was just like, oh my god, you mean I've been spending the night in this house these past few nights and there's been a ghost in here and I didn't know about it? That was a little freaky to me because once she told me about it, that was like on my mind constantly, like before I'd go to bed there, it, I just, 
hated that my cousins would fall asleep faster than me and I'd be the only one awake and I'd just be sitting there thinking like there's a fucking ghost in here like what do I do like I don't even want to get up to go to the bathroom I don't want to like I want to be asleep but I couldn't sleep because I was just so terrified but also just I don't know it was it was really difficult for me to come to terms with that so I know not necessarily the most bone-chilling stories but if you know sometimes ghost stories aren't the most exciting uh, sometimes it could just be as simple as you know I thought I heard a voice or somebody's door opened and there was nobody behind the door I don't know it could be anything there's really some people don't really have the most exciting ghost stories unless I guess you live in the house occupied by the ghosts or maybe you went ghost hunting yourself or maybe you visited a place and stayed there for a little while and found out it was haunted but other than that there's you know I got nothing <laughs> I'm sorry if that was a little lackluster. Those are my two ghostly encounters. If I had more, I really wouldn't be able to tell you again. Not a lot has happened in the in that department. And I mean, technically, I have come into contact with other ghosts, but nothing exciting. I have been in houses where my friends have claimed they have had a ghost, and I was always with my friends and the room would be full of people so I would never question it because I didn't want to acknowledge the ghost because I was too afraid that the ghost would follow me or something. Like I, I don't know, I, I just get really paranoid about that. I don't want nothing to do with any kind of spirit or, you know, that just scares the crap out of me. I just can't do that. If someone, if I go into someone's house and they tell me there's a ghost, I will cling to that person because I will not want to be in any room alone. That would just scare the crap out of me. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm sorry, I keep saying that, but that's all I got. You can tell me your scary stories, and while Halloween month may be over after this podcast, um, I'll still share them if you'd like. I mean, if you're a person who enjoys scary stories all the time, feel free to share them, and I'll probably share them on this podcast. Um... Maybe it's time to talk about something a little more happy. Because I don't want to make this podcast too long. Last time I had a hell of a time rendering it because I made it too long. And that's why I had to condense so much of it. But I actually covered everything I wanted to talk about. There's really not much. There's not going to be a lot going on tomorrow. I have to work on Halloween. So I'm not going to be doing much. And... Uh, I don't think anyone in my neighborhood is going to be trick-or-treating. I don't think we're allowed to because of the pandemic, which makes me very sad, you know? You would think by now this shit would be over, and the kids have been through a lot this year. I think this year has not only been hard on the adults, but I think the kids have been hit the hardest because, you know, kids really thrive off of being able to, you know, do more, you know? I know kids normally are like dreaming about not being able to go to school ever again, but I think this pandemic has probably shown them that they took it for granted and that they appreciate what going to school has to offer them and not being able to have that normalcy of going to school, seeing your friends for six to eight hours and then coming home and doing your homework and then spending time with your family or whatever, you know, that, that's kind of, that's got to be harsh, you know? Not even being able to come into physical contact with your classmates or your teachers and you just kind of have to sit down at home on a computer and watch your teacher through a screen teach you your lesson. And I know for a lot of kids that may not be the best thing. Some kids are very tactile learners. Some kids need the one-on-one -on -one 
with their teachers to be able to really focus on the lesson or to get the fullest out of it. And for kids who were like me, who really appreciated the one-on-one -on -one and being able to take the teacher's time out of class to be like, hey, if I see you after school, can you uh, help me go over this assignment so I can understand it better? You know, and with this pandemic, there's no way to do that, really. I mean, unless the teacher offers it somehow, then cool. But, you know, usually it was easier in school, like in an actual school, for the kid to come at any time after school where, you know, in my high school or middle school, most of the teachers were there for hours at a time after the school day had ended. And at any hour of the day after school had ended, any kid could come by and just talk and get the extra help they needed and some teachers had like little workshops set up for things like that and I would take advantage of those sometimes and now there's really no way to offer that so I don't know how kids can get the extra help um, I don't I don't know I would like to hear some stories about that if any of you are parents of children or if you are in high school or college and you are going through this right now, uh, talk to me about it. W what's it like, you know? How do you get the help that you need, if you need it, you know? Are you struggling to stay concentrated in class? Are you struggling with any of your assignments? Or do you feel like it's easier for you to have this kind of environment where you can stay at home in the comfort of your little cozy room and your pajamas or whatever, and you get to eat whenever you want, you don't have to stay sitting still. Do any of you enjoy it? Do any of you enjoy being behind a computer screen and not having to interact with people and just watch your class happen and then do the assignment and then turn it in and that's it? It's different for everybody. I know some people who will thrive in this environment, others may absolutely hate this. And it's really, you know, it is what it is. And I feel sorry for the kids who hate it. I feel sorry for the kids who are struggling right now. And I feel sorry for the parents too because they have to watch their kids struggle and when their kids struggle sometimes they struggle and it's probably just as much if not more of a struggle for the parents than it is for the child because the parents have to provide an environment in which the kids can learn at home because normally we've all relied on sending our children to a classroom or a school in which they've provided all the tools your children will need to be able to learn you know they provide the textbooks they sometimes they provide like the notebooks the pencils paper you know when I usually went to school I was provided with all of that other than you know when I went to middle school and high school I bought my own paper well I didn't buy it my parents bought it but you know what I mean I was buying binders folders notebooks pens pencils all kinds of stuff just to be able to keep up and it turns out half the time I didn't need a lot of it I ended up being able to make do with the little that I had and usually teachers were kind enough to pay out of pocket out of their own pocket to provide supplies for students who couldn't afford or just couldn't get their hands on the proper materials they needed. Things like calculators or rulers, just simple things like that, you know? But I was fortunate enough to have that and even then it was, you know, I didn't always need it, but the times where I did I was thankful to have it. I just, I really feel for the parents because you know, it was one thing where you maybe had like one or two computers in your whole house and the kids were barely using it just to maybe like write a paper or do some research or something. But now, 
if you have more than one or two kids, you had to probably buy more laptops and computers for your house just so they could all go to school. And that must have really taken a toll out of your pocket. <laughs> because laptops and computers aren't cheap, you know? Uh, that must have been really tough. And then, you know, the internet usage, that must have gone up because, you know, having to do the Zoom calls or whatever platform you use to get your kids on the school online, that must have been even harder. I do want to say this before I go because I think I'm going to end it pretty soon. I just want to say thank you to the educators out there because I'm friends with some of my teachers that I had in high school and um, I think the K-12 through teachers probably have it the toughest. I don't know if professors for college have it pretty rough because I know it's a little bit different teaching college classes rather than teaching elementary through high school kids because it's a little more structured than a college class and there's a different obviously it's just different so writing lessons plans are a lot different and to have to do it in a way that you can teach it through a computer is probably a lot more different than teaching it face-to-face -face in a classroom where all the kids can gather around and learn together. But I just want to say thank you to all the teachers, even the college professors. I don't know if you guys are having the same struggle, but I know it's rough and I see on Facebook and social media everywhere that a lot of teachers are struggling. It is tough and I can't imagine why it's tough, you know? It's, a, it's an adjustment for everybody involved and I'm just sorry you guys have to go through it this way and I'm sorry that maybe you're not being treated fairly and you know, maybe your county, your school district, the powers that be may be making it really hard for you to do the job you need to do. And I know because you all care so much about the job you do that you just want to do what's right for the children. And maybe the powers that be aren't necessarily making it easy for you. And I feel for you. I really do. And I feel for the kids too. It's, it's tough for them. Either way, the, the bottom line is they have to go to school and that's what sucks. You know, this is something that has to be done, but given the circumstances, it has to be done a totally different way. And I just can't say enough that I'm, I can't even imagine the struggle. I just can't. You know, I've been done with school. I graduated college two years ago, so I'm done with school. And well, part of me kind of wishes I was still in school because it was kind of fun and when you're out of it you tend to miss it, but knowing that, you know, I would be struggling like that too kind of makes me feel a little bit of relief and I'm not saying that to like, be like, nee 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 to the people who are going through it, you know, I, I, I feel you, in, a, in a, to an extent, that it's a struggle and I wouldn't wish this on anybody, I'm sorry you guys have to go through it, I can't say that enough and I just can't stress how thankful everyone should be for the teachers and just everyone who's been a true champion throughout this entire pandemic not just the teachers you know let's give it up for like the people who deliver our packages the postal workers amazon has been a real trooper through this or the amazon delivery people at least the warehouses all you guys the frontline helpers obviously you know the nurses the doctors everybody involved that's been helping with people who've been sick everybody who's been a caretaker to sick people or, you know, heck, even the parents. Parents of children who are going through this, just, you know, thanks for being, just thanks for being there, you know? It's hard, and I know as a parent you gotta be strong for your kids, and I'm pretty sure right now it's not that easy to be very strong. So I just really hope that you guys have been able to find a way to keep your balance, to keep yourself centered so that you don't break down or at least if you have to break down, don't do it in a way that affects your children or that your children don't see it. 
and I just, I really hope that you guys find some peace, because this is not a very peaceful time, but there's no reason why we can't try to find a happy medium in it. Thankfully, we have an environment in which we can stay home, and home is where you should feel the safest. You know, you are enclosed in a place where you can feed yourself, you can take care of yourself, you have a bathroom, you have your clothes, you have a bed, hopefully, and, and I'm sorry if I'm describing a situation that people are not in right now. If you're not exactly in an ideal situation at home, I am terribly sorry for you. I really hope you find a way to make it better or to get out of that shitty situation. I wish there was a way I could help. If I could, I would wave a magic wand and make it all better, but I can't. And I'm sorry if that sounds shitty of me to say, but it's like, I just, I really feel for you guys. You know, my heart goes out to all of you because this has not been easy. And that's what I think about a lot lately is that, you know, I'm blessed to be going back to work, but it's, it's still not easy. You know, I can tell that the way things are going has affected the mass majority of Americans and just the world. But, you know, because I live in the U.S., I'm seeing how this has affected our country and our people. And it just really sucks. You know, some people are going about like nothing's happening, while others are just kind of like annoyed. Some people are still scared. Some people are just, you know, kind of like with the it is what it is attitude. And that's kind of how I'm going about it right now because unfortunately as angry as it makes me that you know some people don't want to do their part to make this end faster or to get it under control which we're past that point now there's no way we can control it anymore but it is what it is and I don't want to get political about it I don't want to point fingers I don't want to make things worse or stir the pot it's just a it is what it is statement this is all I know that statement sucks for a lot of people but that is honestly one of my favorite statements ever because truthfully, as stupid as some of you may think it is, it is what it is is the best way of just kind of saying it can't be helped because it is what it is. The situation is happening and there's nothing you can do about it and as much as it sucks or you may favor it to be a different way, it is not that way. Therefore, the saying is it is what it is and you just have to roll with the punches. And that's kind of what we're all doing right now. So, if anything, I hope this podcast reaches some of you guys and that you don't feel alone. I wish I could provide more comfort. And I think that's what I'm trying to do here with this podcast, is maybe my stories or my ramblings will help you feel less alone. Hopefully it'll help you feel something, something happy, a little bit of relaxation. And I'm sorry that I did bring up the current state of the world. I know it's not the best. Um, I also don't want to ramble on. I know I've been repeating myself a couple times. So I just want to say thank you all. And you guys are doing your absolute best. So keep going. Just no matter what. I know things are tough right now. I know sometimes it seems like this is never going to end. And I was at that point a few months ago. But we just got to wait it out. We just got to keep going. You know, life may suck right now as a general whole. But... There's little moments of beauty everywhere, and you just gotta find them. I promise you they're there. There's moments of beauty everywhere. You know, watch your favorite YouTuber. Watch, watch America's Funniest Home Videos if you can find a way to watch it. Thank your teacher if you're going to school right now. Thank your teacher for their effort, and um, just do the best you can. Just keep going. Anyway, I'm gonna end it here because my battery's dying, and I just want to say thank you so much for watching. 
I'll see you all in the next episode. Happy Halloween, and please be safe and stay happy. And if you're going to go trick-or-treating, be safe. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Good night. Happy Halloween.